Folks, it looks like everything went according to plan. What a well-executed conspiracy. Truly a work of brilliance for the Biden administration to coordinate a romantic relationship between one of the world's most famous singers and one of the NFL's top players, which coincided with her biggest tour and a season-long storyline that not only placed the Kansas City Chiefs at the Super Bowl, but allowed them to win a true nail-biter overtime victory, and therefore handing Joe Biden the election nearly 10 months in advance. They're calling it the greatest conspiracy ever executed of all time. In front of all of us. Uh-huh. Right before our eyes. Truly a sight to behold and definitely not the result of the Kansas City Chiefs being a dominant franchise for years now, nor the result of two very famous, very attractive people dating each other because they're both famous, attractive, and the pinnacle of their respective careers. Yeah. Though it is funny to imagine how last night's Super Bowl was the tipping point into insanity for at least a few MAGA-brained weirdos who are somehow still teetering on the edge. That definitely sent people over. Oh, it did, and it was beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, before we finished writing the episode, the viewership numbers were released. And this year's Super Bowl was the most watched event in network TV history with 120 million viewers on CBS alone. All 120 million of those people. They're going to the polls this November, and they're voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> so, yeah, it was the biggest event since the moon landing. But obviously it still pales in comparison to the numbers that Tucker Carlson is allegedly doing on X. Yeah, I mean, he's getting like trillions. Yeah, it, it's, you know, you think about the Super Bowl and who's really talking about that? What everyone's talking about is the latest Tucker Carlson yeah. interview. You get to work on Monday, you're filling up your coffee. Oh, did you watch the new Tucker on X? You see the new Tucker X videos? <laughs> uh. But enough about Tucker and enough about the actual football game. Although I will say... I watched one NFL game this year, and it was it was. You chose the right. Yeah, one. I was like, "Damn, is it always this exciting?" No, 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 it's not. not. No, it's often frustrating and disappointing. But yeah, that game was uh, that was a blast. I can't believe people still won't accept it. The sport is obviously rigged. <laughs> yeah. You think that happens organically? Come on. Uh, to be fair, I think that uh, there was a couple calls, and anyone that's a San Francisco fan will uh, not agree with this. But there was a couple calls towards the end of the game where it was just like. It really seemed like the refs were hoping that uh, San Francisco. That's all it. part of building the tension. This is That's Vin exactly this yeah. is Vince McMahon 101. Like you know, the 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 hero, the face is out there, and he he gets the pin. But oh no, the ref is distracted by Doink the Clown. Oh yeah. no, Mr. Fuji has thrown salt in the ref's eyes. Hogan can't get the pin. Yeah. Well, it was all the whole thing was beautifully executed. Yeah. No notes. But yeah, let's talk about everything else surrounding. The game, the moment, and of course, the ads. And this complaint is, is definitely gonna make us sound like boomers, but this year had to be just the lamest year for Super Bowl ads that we can remember. And few, if any, were actually enjoyable, funny, entertaining, thought-provoking, or memorable. I, uh, although, I honestly, <laughs> there, was a, there was a very few where I was like, oh, okay, that was, yeah. there was like the Christopher Walken one was you, okay. It, it got to a point where I was, I was wishing the crypto companies could come <laughs> back from the dead. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, there there was some exceptions. There was that uh, the Jesus Christ foot fetish dating ad. I think that was. I think that the was. Was it a dating ad? The, the, the ad was for a dating site for Christians who, mm, with foot okay. fetishes. Sure. I think that's what it was. Yeah. But yeah, that one stole the show yeah. for all the freaks out there. It was not only bizarre, but it seemed to succeed in the goal of pissing off American Christians who who view their own religion in a very like antithetical way to the actual teachings of their supposed Lord and Savior. Yeah. It was so poorly received that the company who funded the ads, the Christian home goods store Hobby Lobby, is facing consumer backlash, despite spending decades doing 
the weirdest shit possible in the name of Christianity, like stealing the tablets of Gilgamesh yeah. and whatnot, just entering active Middle Eastern war zones to uh, loot yeah. uh, biblical artifacts. And uh, yeah. They threw all that uh, goodwill to their evangelicals away. So yeah, you don't have to hand it to Hobby Lobby. They're, no. It's an evil company. It but, sure is. But I guess uh, they still have a, a perception of Christianity that is uh, too woke for yeah. uh, their target audience. Well, we'll get to it, but uh, this does seem to uh, be a, a trick to lure people in yeah. before they uh, eventually indoctrinate them to the more fringe corners right. of Christianity, hey, which is, at this point, the entire country. Yeah. So <laughs> the, ad, the ad itself showed various scenes showing people from different backgrounds, races, ideologies, genders, socioeconomic factors, and so on, washing each other's feet as a, quote, symbolic example of how they should humble themselves while dignifying and valuing others. There was a son washing his father's feet, a police officer washing a black man's feet, a woman washing the feet of someone who we are made to assume was seeking an abortion, an oil worker washing the feet of an environmentalist, a white woman washing the feet of a migrant family being bused to Chicago, a priest washing a gay man's feet, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, well, and if you're not, if you didn't grow up in Christianity, this is a, the foot stuff, it, it's all over the Bible. It's a trope. You, yeah. you, Jesus washed the feet of like people who are like, oh my God, I wouldn't even be in the same room as that person. But to Jesus, he he's like, no, up. they're cool. They, they, those gams need a good wash. And they look delicious. I might have mm. a little taste. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it worked uh, because it did get people talking mostly about Jesus having more in common with Quentin Tarantino than we previously thought possible, but the ad really seemed to divide American Christians who claimed that it made their faith look weak. Love thy neighbor. Fuck you! <laughs> nope. And that it promoted, they, they, claiming that it promoted things like abortion. Uh, it was, at the very least, a fascinating look at what actually drives conservative Christians and evangelicals. The ad ends with, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Which is Jesus I mean, drove a truck yeah. and had an AR-15. He had a gun rack in his truck. Yeah. Jesus uh And he, he and Jesus was fucking ripped. He was jacked. Yeah. He looked like he was on every steroid. He had a full six pack and he had body hair in all the right places and none of the wrong places. Uh -huh. Not on the back, but you know, the front. Yeah. Kind of like Zangief. Yeah. Uh yeah. That's the Jesus I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the foot fetish vibes aside, outspoken conservatives were quick to attack the ad from various angles. Here's some examples. On Instagram, Sebastian Gorka wrote, Jesus told sinners not to sin. He didn't wash their feet to endorse their sinfulness. And he definitely would never endorse the murder of the unborn because that is intrinsically evil. He, again, if you actually have read the fucking Bible, he washed the feet of like prostitutes and shit. Yep. Literally like people considered unclean and sinful. Also, that's the whole point. Painting a broad brush on the entire ad and claiming that every person having their feet washed is a sinner is fucking nuts. Yeah. Mm, this yeah. migrant family who's just trying to make it. Uh, yeah, as we clearly the, the 11th commandment is thou shalt not cross borders without the proper, uh, you know, visa paperwork. Mm -hmm. uh, conservative columnist Ben Zelsoft quoted the Bible saying, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. Adding, those who funded, created, and distributed the He Gets Us advertisement will be judged by the God they claim to know. Uh, Steve Deese of The Blaze called the commercial demonic. <laughs> Even uh, Tommy Tammy Laren chimed in to quip, what I gathered from the Super Bowl is that white Christians are supposed to wash everyone else's feet. Um, 
That was a uh, way out of left field. That reaction to like, it. why am I a fucking atheist who has not cracked open a Bible in thirty years, able to wrap my head around this ad's obvious meaning? Well, and and you, the representatives of Christian America, are completely missing the fucking a, like, point. I, f- I fucking hate organized religion. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is like, it, it is frustrating to see. American Christians, uh, Christian nationalists, evangelicals, yeah. uh, constantly doing the exact opposite of what the religion they uh, purport to follow. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's nuts. There's a there's a wonderful it's a tale book. as old as time. There's a book too. called Jesus and John Wayne, and it, it it's kind a of, great book. Yeah. It, it documents all of this, uh, how Americans have desperately for the past 100 years, uh, even before John Wayne wanted a a big tough guy Jesus because they thought Jesus was too weak yeah. to actually like. Uh, be in charge of like, or be a representative of that religion. Like, we we need a tough guy to represent. Yeah, it's, this a, it's a really good book. But yeah, the central thesis is basically yeah, uh, American Protestantism specifically, but Christianity in general is sort of like a cult of masculinity, mm-hmm. and that it does a really good job of explaining. I think the book was written before all the trans fucking shit, but like it is the perfect explainer for everything yes. about how that has played out. Yeah. Uh, all of the reactions to this ad, they seemed too much for people to handle. They already had the conspiracy about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey bouncing around in their brains while they had to simultaneously come up with a new one about how leftists have forced Jesus to go woke. Jesus has gone woke. There were literally tweets uh, with people saying like, oh, here we go. Jesus is woke now. Like, uh... I mean, yeah, I guess. I, he was a leftist. <laughs> he did tell you that uh, you need to get rid of all of your earthly possessions in order to thread the eye of the needle. Even the like shitty American interpretation of it, because so like people are like, well, he wasn't actually talking about like the literal eye of a needle. He's talking about this like specific uh, like canyon that's really narrow, where if you're riding a horse through it, you have to like you know take off some of the bags. But like even then, it's like saying like being rich is bad. It's a, it's evil to be rich. It is uh-huh. a sin. Anyway, meanwhile, normal people online were just flooding social media with, uh, lol, Jesus likes feet. Yeah, that was the actual reaction. And of course he would. Yeah. He loves everything about us. He likes our feet, our toes, yeah. our dicks and balls. Loves it all. Our buttholes mm-hmm. and our ears and noses. But once people discovered who was funding the advertisements and who they're actually targeting, the conversation did get slightly deeper because the He Gets Us campaign is heavily funded by the Hobby Lobby family which is the company that, again, stole religious artifacts, but also tried to push for teaching the Bible in public schools and withheld contraceptive coverage for employees. There was a whole Supreme Court thing around that Mm -hmm. and was one of the bigger companies that tried to ban transgender uh, people from using the bathroom of their choice. Mm -hmm. The other financial sources for the He Gets Us campaign are equally, if not more, twisted than that, which, which calls into question their motives. Their motives seem to be presenting the Christian religion as progressive and accepting to a younger generation that has clearly grown weary of organized religion in general. And for good reason, too. Yeah, it's just a lot of bad shit happening. And it's just not appealing. No. It's not appealing to more and more people going back decades, but especially now. It's like, what am I supposed to get out of this? Even aside from all of the very bad crimes and corruption, just taking a look at their parents who claim to be Christian and and being confused by that statement based mm. on their actions yes. would be enough to give them pause. 
Yeah, uh -huh. because the people and groups who are funding this project and deploying these ads during the Super Bowl on billboards and, and most honestly, like all over Reddit, all Constantly. over Reddit. I've yeah. been seeing these ads for like years, and it's always like weird. I'm like, who is who's funding this? Because they they clearly are trying to like appeal. It's like Gen like, Z and millennials. Jesus like... was a pretty cool guy. Mm -hmm. He would have uh, he would have gone on r slash gaming and uh, not complained about women. He would have just really cared about uh, ethics and games journalism, mm -hmm. but not in a weird way. But uh, yeah, th this doesn't seem to align with, you know, the Jesus that they're selling because it's, it's a trick. They're, yeah. they're doing a, a Trojan horse, which I believe that was another uh, Super Bowl ad. They're yeah. trying to Trojan horse Jesus back into the lives of people who, the, the normal, the facts on the ground of what Jesus means in this country, that does not appeal to them. Yeah. A recent report from the Texas Observer explains, the campaign is funded by the Servant Foundation, which does business as the Signatory. It's a donor-advised 501c3 nonprofit that is not required to disclose who its donors are. However, it does have to file an IRS Form 990, which lists the organizations it financially supports. The largest cash grant it awarded was over $16 million to the Alliance Defending Freedom, the organization that wrote a strict abortion ban Mississippi used as a model and is designated as an anti-LGBTQ hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Texas-based 121 Community Church got $10,800. That church's website lists beliefs like, all people who do not have faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in hell. And marriage has only one meaning, the uniting of one biological man and one biological woman. 40 Days for Life, based in Bryan, got $16,000. It conducts 40-day prayer vigils to educate communities about the tragic reality of abortion and call to repentance workers and patrons of facilities that provide abortions. Human Coalition in Frisco got $2 million to spread a similar message. Abortion is a stain on America, and the God who gives life will not hold us guiltless. And their article also indicates that the cost of the ongoing He Gets Us campaigns has now ballooned to $1 billion, with this Sunday's Super Bowl ads alone costing them $20 million. So there is a, they believe there is a big incentive for this. You know, yeah, and it's just like in the Bible. Jesus, whenever him or his apostles had money, they'd spend it on advertising. Mm -hmm. And they'd said, at you, if you get, if you, you with all the money, you spend that on advertising. Don't give it to the poor. Don't spend it on like actually, you know, helping other people. Yes. That $2 billion you got there, you can get a pretty good Super Bowl ad with that. Yeah. Um, scary stuff. Uh, it's it it's it's just I don't think it's gonna bizarre. Work. Yeah, and I don't think like, it's gonna work. <laughs> and the, the marketing for like a, a church would be like, hey, you want people who are like kind of have to be forced to be your friends? Come yeah. on down to church. You don't care how much of a freak you are, as long as you say you love Jesus, they'll be forced to talk with you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the only branch of Christianity that like this really is a moment where they could succeed would be like Presbyterians. Mm. Be like, hey, we're normal. We don't really care about a lot of this stuff. We don't really take any of it literally. It's more of a community thing, and you know we follow the teachings of uh, teachings of Christ, but like we're chill about it. Yeah, not not Come to be outdone down. by all of this. <laughs> uh, not to be outdone by all of this, and we will get to it. Uh, the Catholic Church has an app that you can hang out with uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg on. <laughs> yeah, uh, that yeah that was interesting too. Yeah. So yes, while it appears as though most people aren't falling for these ads and Christians are actually hostile towards them, they are proof that there are hundreds of millions of dollars flowing through a campaign that is actively trying to encourage younger generations to embrace a religion that constantly demonstrates that their actions differ completely from the teachings of their savior. Yeah. Luckily, this ad has about as much of a chance of changing anyone's mind as the uh, subsequent ads for Scientology, 
that yeah. are running. That's Don't a, believe everything you've heard. That's another one. Yeah, Scientology spends so much money on marketing, like on TV and online. And, and on real estate. Like, yeah, and it, well, that's... <laughs> them buying up all the real estate in Hollywood, like that actually makes sense as like a sound investment. Yeah. But like they advertise the shit out of themselves and it's like, what is, what's the success rate here? Especially now. Like I can see in like the 70s, people are like, hey, sounds pretty cool. I read a few L. Ron Hubbard books and they were... Great science fiction. Yeah. Let's see Why what not else? get on a boat <laughs> with a bunch of fans? Let's see what else does L. Ron Hubbard It was the original, uh, like, fandom cruise. Like, they do all those metal and comic yeah. book cruises now. It's like, yeah, they used to be, like, the cool sci-fi cruise, right? Right, guys? No. It's actually a cult that uh, abuses all of their uh, one of uh, One of the former residents of my house was... Uh, Either a member of Scientology or, or you get flyers or, or dabbled in it. Yeah, yeah. recently, uh, yeah, we got one. It's like some DVDs. I haven't watched them yet, but I'm very curious. Oh, yeah. It's going to be that thing <laughs> where it's like, you could turn this DVD off right now, but you'd be killing yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's like they, 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 someone leaked that video that they show uh, people that go in and do the little test for the first time. They're like, if you walk out that door, you are turning your back on yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a wild religion. and uh, Religion. I mean, tax haven. Yes. Yes. yes, Big, yes. Gi gigantic scam. It is gigantic a, it is financial a, scam. It's kind of an MLM. Yes. yes. But also, since we're on the topic, what the hell was up with the multiple ads for just various, all just different religions, different denominations? Yeah, they were all over the place. I'm trying to enjoy some football. Not, not, not take part in a gigantic forming holy war. Yeah. So there's, there's something unsettling about being inundated by extremely expensive advertisements for religions of all things. And there was Scientology, Judaism. Even an app where you can give up your privacy to spend Lent with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. All you have to do is give up all of your personal financial information. That's right. And we can rub ash on each other's foreheads. But in a not gay way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Ash Wednesday is... This e Wednesday? Yeah, Easter's really early this year. Mm. I can't remember exactly how it's calculated, but like this is, this is the earliest it gets. Welcome so, back, Jesus! I think, yeah, no, Ash Wednesday would be, uh, I think it's this Wednesday. Yeah. But let's move away from the religious stuff because there was at least one political ad that stood out during this year's Super Bowl. And it was a vintage 1960s ad for John F. Kennedy. Hey, we all love Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. Hey. Yeah. What a good president. Uh, it, was a, it was a 60s ad for John F. Kennedy's presidential campaign that was very poorly repurposed to show Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in place of his uncle. We say poorly repurposed because despite spending a reported $7 million on this ad to run during the Super Bowl, the motion graphics looked like they were done by someone with absolutely zero experience. It was not good. And quality aside, RFK Jr. initially seemed very pleased with this ad. And so did conservatives who, <laughs> you would assume that not, conservatives would not like this because he's a, a Democrat, right? Well, conservatives, they, they loved it too. They were quick to praise it publicly because they assumed that RFK is a spoiler candidate for Biden. Yeah. In fact, the financing behind the ad came from a super PAC, which is funded primarily by Republicans. <sighs> RFK Jr. retweeted Ben Shapiro. He was liking posts that were praising the ad, and he was enjoying the publicity he was getting from it, despite most of that coming from the party that he claims to be running against. I'm shocked he's still at this, but it's, I guess he's got so much money that He's got cares? a big uh, comedy show happening here in L.A. His, his wife's Rob hosting Schneider? it. Rob Schneider's in it. I thought Rob Schneider was, like, extremely conservative. It doesn't but... make sense that all of these conservative comedians, these anti-cancel culture yeah. comedians, would be showing up to do a benefit comedy show for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You know what? There's one comedian uh, notably absent. <laughs> Larry David. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Mm, I'm good. 
No thanks, Cheryl. But things changed a little while later when the rest of RFK Jr.'s extended family reacted to the ad. With Bobby Shriver, also a nephew of JFK, tweeting, My cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. She would be appalled by his deadly healthcare views. Respect for science, vaccines, and healthcare equity were in her DNA. She strongly supported my healthcare work at one campaign and read, which he opposes. Mark Shriver, quote, tweeted the post, adding, I agree with my brother Bobby. Simple as that. Uh, and these reactions caused RFK Jr. to distance himself from the ad that he was not only promoting and praising, but also had pinned to the top of his social media profile. Now claiming that he actually had nothing to do with it at all. Here's what he said in response to his angry relatives. Bobby! No. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, I'm so sorry if that advertisement caused you pain. The ad was created and aired by the American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approvals from my campaign. Federal rules prohibit super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I send you and your family my sincerest apologies. God bless you. Hmm. He also posted the following directly to his feed. I'm so sorry if the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain. The ad was created and aired by the American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approval from my campaign. FEC rules prohibit super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I love you all. God bless you. And this is all while, while he still even as of when we filmed this, still had that ad pinned to his profile page. It might upset my relatives, but I, I, you know what? It's a good ad. Yeah. Wow. I want nothing to do with this, and I had, and I had yeah. nothing to do with this. In fact, I didn't even know it was happening. Why it's pinned to my profile page just happens Why to be Why are you associating this RFK Jr. ad that I have uh, very happily embraced with RFK Jr.? Yeah, Come pretty on. strange. Uh, not to be outdone on the political side of things, though, Hillary Clinton Ugh. decided to post a tweet that reached levels of cringe previously thought impossible, saying, Congratulations to Taylor's boyfriend and the entire Kansas City Chiefs community. Heart emoji, football emoji, dab. Please, for the love of God and his love of feet, shut the fuck up. Yeah, why don't you Pokemon go to hell, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of this. Also... <laughs> Did, was this tweet real that she was like, uh, actually, Biden's age is concerning? I think she said so in like an interview or something. I mean, and it's like, okay, you're right. But like, yeah. who, she, all, she has this amazing ability to just like pop up. Yeah, and tank her own, her own party. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just comment on things that have nothing to do with her as if her opinion matters. Yeah. Lady, you lost Donald Trump. Opinion discarded. And it was not the fault of... Uh... A bunch of people online, it was actually because you refused to campaign in Michigan yeah. and Wisconsin. You lost in Michigan for an even dumber reason than Joe Biden is going to lose in Michigan <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. Out of just pure neglect. Yeah. Also, get in here, Trump. You need to shut the fuck up, too, because he couldn't stop himself from posting about Tra Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. He essentially begged them to change their minds about him. Yeah. This is very unseemly, uncouth. Well, right no, this, this aligns with him perfectly because he only cares about the respect from people who are legitimately richer and more powerful than yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, I signed and was responsible for the Music Modernization Act for Taylor Swift and all other musical artists. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. There's no way she could endorse crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. Besides that, I like her boyfriend, Travis, even though he may be a liberal and probably can't stand me. I like, I like him, Travis. I like him. He probably hates me, but 
The Coca-Cola people are very upset with me. That's okay. I'll keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, before we switch away from the Super Bowl, despite our constant begging and pleading, the host of the Super Bowl party that we were at refused to change the channel <laughs> yeah. from CBS to Nickelodeon so that we could watch SpongeBob and Patrick provide commentary to the game. And apparently we missed out on one of the best broadcasts of all time. Apparently they made fun of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for dating young women, among many other like I mean, things that you wouldn't expect uh, to be airing on Nickelodeon in particular. Um, but it was the best because it was actually Tom Kenny and Bill Fagerbake, the voice actors of SpongeBob and Patrick, giving the play-by-play -play live with motion tracking cameras. That's awesome. I wish we could have seen that. I wish our friend had allowed the channel to change so we could just take a little peek. Instead, he had, no. he had a separate broadcast going for San Francisco fans within earshot that was delayed annoyingly by like five seconds. And I was sitting directly between the two. <laughs> Losing my fucking mind. Please, I just want to see Sandy on the uh, sidelines, giving a sidelines report. Mm. Uh, so they made fun of plays, they explained certain rules, they mocked celebrities and the game itself, which it had to have been much better than listening to Tony Romo for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Romo, what are you doing? And uh, that right there, that's a football. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's going to throw that football. Look, he did it. He threw the football. Thank you, Tony. All right, speaking of ads, though, it's time to take a second to thank our sponsors mm -hmm. for supporting our channel at a cost that is far, far below that of the Super Bowl, but probably much more effective. I agree. It's shaving time, baby. And today's episode is sponsored by Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the International Space Station and Mars Rover, and now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble, the more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave is not a blade problem, it's an extension problem. So by using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. But wait! It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. And once you own a Henson razor, it's only about $3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. Now, honestly, this razor is great. Uh, it is infinitely re reusable. It gets the job done extremely well. And also, hey, big bonus, you're not contributing to more plastic pollution in the process. You can go get these same blades wherever, pop them in there. Once you have the razor, you're good yeah. to go. Yeah, this is how we did it for the longest time until those greedy razor companies came along and started making you buy proprietary plastic blades. Mm -hmm. Just ending up in a landfill. It's time to return. Yeah. Also, the handle has a good weight to it. It's ridiculously cheap to refill over time, and it's always fun, as Elliot said, to reject modernity and embrace tradition in a non-problematic way. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash ITDaily to pick the razor for you and use code ITDaily and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash ITDaily and use code ITDaily. All right, back into the news now, and it looks like even the worst illnesses in the world are looking for a reboot. 
because baby, the bubonic plague is back. Fuck. And it's right here in these United States of America. And apparently a pet cat is to blame for trying to kick off another apocalyptic event. It's always the cats. I love them, but it's always the cats. I mean, I thought it was, it was always monkeys. No, I'm saying causing all the chaos nowadays. Oh, They think yeah. they own the place. They do. We've been too e we've gone too easy on these cats. They're adorable, and uh, but they're always plotting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was no more. Fleas that jumped from monkeys to rats, I believe. Uh, in the Black Plague, something like something that? like that. Uh, anyways, for reference, and we are going to get a little gross here, so put down the sandwich. We are talking about the plague. The The plague. OG plague. Yeah, but it is famous for the pandemic that spread across the world back in the 14th century, which killed an estimated 75 to 200 million people in incredibly gruesome ways. And uh, that was a significant portion of the entire world's population. Yeah, it also, like, it doesn't get talked about as much, but, like, it did not go away for, like, hundreds of years. Like, it would... It would wax and wane, but like the plague was just sort of going around the world like, for yeah. hundreds of years up until like the 17th or 18th century when yeah. things finally died down. Basically, you would start feeling sick, fatigued, your bones would ache, you would develop uh, buboes. They're uh, like the, the lymph node things, they start yeah. expanding and uh. they're like, they're, they're sacks of pus. Yeah, it's coming fucking, out of your, God damn your, it. Your, your armpits, your, your neck, your uh, groin area. Uh, if you pop them, they would just. Well, they, or, or if they popped at all, they would leak pus everywhere, blood, and that would spread the disease around. Uh, people were vomiting up blood. Again, more disease spreading. Back then, uh, they were just tossing the shit out of their windows. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Back into the, out into the street like my feces. So, uh, yes, you would also develop gangrene as a result of the infection before ultimately dying in one of the most unpleasant ways possible. Now, the plague has popped up throughout time, but it is, after the big Black Death, yeah. uh, it remained localized for the most part, and we obviously have better ways of treating it now. But who knows if that will work, because people would simply refuse to take medication or a vaccine. Yeah, also, like, <laughs> we people take way too many antibiotics, so it's like, I don't know, it's, Fuck. Yeah. yeah, we deserve this. Anyway, scientists and doctors have shown concern that the plague could develop resistance to, here we go, exactly, resistance to modern medicine and eventually spread once again. So what a fun recap. Yeah. Anyways, the plague is back <laughs> and it's kicking off in Portland, Oregon, thanks to some asshole cat, yeah. a house cat. Now, again, this seems to be isolated, so no cause for alarm yet. <laughs> and it's not like the bubonic plague ever really left. We just got better at avoiding it by just doing... You know, it was revolutionary at the time, but you know, washing your hands. Yeah, they're like, wow. putting, you're putting trash in a receptacle, mm -hmm. flushing your shit away from where you live. Yeah, all things that helped. Yeah, mm -hmm. this would have blown your mind back then. Regardless, here's USA Today. Health officials in central Oregon have confirmed a case of human bubonic plague and said the individual was likely infected by a domestic house cat. The unidentified infected person lives in Deschutes County and marks the state's first human case in just over eight years. Deschutes County Health Service officials announced in a press release. All close contacts of the resident and their pet have been contacted and provided medication to prevent illness. Deschutes County Health Services Officer Dr. Richard Fawcett wrote in the announcement released Wednesday, the disease is spread through the air and contaminated food and the individual was likely infected by a pet cat that had developed symptoms, officials said. This case was identified and the person was treated by doctors while in the earlier stages of the disease, posing little risk to the community, officials said. 
okay, but this is the Pacific Northwest, which uh, last time we checked in up there, uh, some woman had fucking full-blown tuberculosis and, it's and where, was uh, refusing to go to the hospital and was like literally a, a disease fugitive. Yeah. So, it's also where the, uh, not connected, but also where the first confirmed case of COVID happened. Uh, not in Portland, but in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that uh, old folks home in Washington State, I believe. So uh, there's too many trees, and the trees are too big. <laughs> Something's going on. Yeah, well, uh, while the bubonic plague probably won't kill us all, fingers crossed, technology might. Luckily, some people up in San Francisco have already started fighting the machines face-to-face. Yes. And while we don't condone or endorse this, people recently burned one of those self-driving cars straight to the ground. <laughs> they had enough. That, I bet that felt so good. It probably did. I just there hope, was, I hope one, they didn't breathe any of that shit. Apparently in one video, someone was uh, in the crowd going, hey, by the way, that's lithium in there. Everyone stand <laughs> yeah. back. Stand yeah. back. It's, uh, yeah, there's unpredictable components in there. It, yeah. does, it doesn't burn like a typical car. No, and while we're not sure if this was done as an actual protest against self-driving technology or just the result of a bunch of people having easy access to a near-endless supply of fireworks while celebrating the Lunar New Year in San Francisco's Chinatown, it doesn't matter, the result is exactly the same. Hmm. That car got burned to the ground. Uh, here's, what the Verge, or here's The Verge with more on what took place. A person jumped on the hood of a Waymo driverless taxi and smashed its windshield in San Francisco's Chinatown last night around 9 p.m. Pacific, generating applause before a crowd formed around the car and covered it in spray paint breaking its windows, and ultimately setting it on fire. The fire department arrived minutes later, according to a report in the Autopian, but by then the flames had already fully engulfed the car. At the moment, no outlets seem to have reported a motive for the attack. Waymo representative Sandy Karp told The Verge via email that the fully autonomous car was not transporting any riders when it was attacked and fireworks were tossed inside the car, sparking the flames. The fire takes place against the backdrop of simmering tension between San Francisco residents and automated vehicle operators. The California DMV suspended Waymo rival Cruz's robo-taxi operations after one of its cars struck and dragged a pedestrian last year, and prior to that, automated taxis had caused chaos in the city, blocking traffic or crashing into a fire truck. Just last week, a Waymo car struck a cyclist who had reportedly been following behind a truck turning across its path. City officials and residents opposed the cars being given a license for 24-7 operation last year, with some residents rendering them immobile by putting orange cones on the car's hoods in protests. Maybe stick to doing that, but, uh, hey, it sends a message. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Luddism is back. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of weird ways that tech is literally sneaking right into our lives without uh, people, some people not even noticing it, uh, not to reverse course and talk about the Super Bowl again, but Alicia Keys happened to, I guess, unfortunately, miss a note when she started singing alongside Usher during his halftime performance. Not a big deal. Everybody knows that Alicia Keys is yeah. fucking talented, and it's not rare for even the best singers to miss a note every once in a while. Huge performance. First note, yeah, it happens. But you wouldn't have known that she missed a note unless you watched the performance live, because in the versions uploaded to official platforms, Someone behind the scenes fixed her vocals to be perfect right from the start. It's a simple fix. It might have it might have been done completely without AI, even though that is a buzzword that they probably would use to be like, look, we fixed this with AI. It's actually very simple to do. No, they any, probably they yeah. probably just uh, set up like Melodyne or something and you literally you just like boop, you just bump it to yeah. the note. Or it's, it's pre-AI shit. This is like 90s technology. Yeah. Um, but it also feels weird. Like it makes the performance 
by legitimate standards, it makes it unauthentic. I got bad news for you about like almost every live album ever uh, ever yeah. recorded, especially by you know big rock bands. They're all fake. They all go in and do overdubs after the fact because no performance is 100% perfect when you're listening to it with a close ear. And it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's fine, also, folks. Uh, not that, again, I have no fucking problem with it. I'm there to see a show. Uh, unless it is like a singer-songwriter. It's like, yeah, I want to hear your actual voice. But uh, there's a lot of uh, bands and artists out there that have backing tracks, backing vocals, uh, yeah. entire Pro Tools rigs that are running things that uh, legitimately they can't uh, physically do on stage or afford to do on Yeah, stage. I mean, in most cases, uh, I mean, production these days, it's like, oh, like, you're recording your album, you're like, this would sound cool with, like, I don't know, some fucking, like, church bells in this one part. Yeah. You're not gonna... Not Require, gonna, not yeah. Gonna, yeah, just, like, something like that that's only gonna be in, like, one part. Yeah. Like, yeah, fine, But, whatever. like, singer-songwriter stuff and adjusting it afterwards, it just... I mean, it changes the actual terminology of it being live. It's... yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and look, uh, singers have been called out for using autotune live, and like, yeah, I do think that sucks, unless they're specifically doing it like in a vocoder way, like T-Pain or something, yeah. but like, it, it's just weird, and it's also weird to specifically fix this one little thing. Yeah, like, who cares? Yeah. I wouldn't have, I would have never even noticed this, unless, uh, but now that they've, yeah. now that they've done this, now. I can't believe they've done know. this. Anyway, people's imperfections are one of the many, many things that make them human. And now, in every reference moving forward throughout time, that moment will be lost. It's small, it's subtle, but it's just another example of technology and media companies attempting to make things perfect when they don't need to be. Here's Variety with more on this. In the aftermath, the NFL and Apple Music have edited the clam out of the re-uploaded halftime show on YouTube, and the difference in Key's vocals is uncanny. Online, users have pointed out the polished editing with play-by-play -play comparisons of the live taping and the freshly re-uploaded and pitch-corrected show. Again, not a big deal, just a very subtle way that this is constantly happening. Yeah, there was also that, there was that uh, AI ad on the Super Bowl. I think it was Google AI? Yeah, maybe. But the ad was, it was a funny ad because it was like all these people, the message was Make like- Make me a video game. Yeah, the message was like essentially is like, are you like directionless and talentless and just like lazy, mm -hmm. but you, you want to do great things? We you, have- You're going to love, you're going to love AI. It yeah. can do all that shit for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Super Bowl wasn't the only big sporting event over the weekend. It was also a big weekend for golf. Thanks to Phoenix's Waste Management Open, where you, you don't want to get in the sand trap because that's a trash trap. We have is, fun here at the Waste Management Open. It is funny that the most like insane, chaotic golf event is sponsored by a garbage company. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very important company. Yes. The backbone of civilization. Stopping the bubonic plague. Yes. Standing directly between the bubonic plague and all of us. Yeah. And, the, and, and Americans have ruined the event. Yeah, so and that's why the bubonic plague is back. Apparently, the Waste Management Open was such a drunken mess that officials were forced to suspend the sale of alcohol on the event's final day. Uh, here's some explanation of what went down from The Independent, and then we'll show some clips if they don't get flagged. Chaotic crowd scenes impacted the golf itself at the Waste Management Phoenix Open as mudslides, snow angels, and fights overshadowed the tournament. Social media videos went viral of the drunken scenes, which even led to alcohol sales being briefly suspended across the entire event and fans with tickets being stranded at the barriers unable to get in. 
On the final day of the event, last year's U.S. Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson and fellow golfer Billy Horschel exchanged angry words with spectators in what is easily the best attended <laughs> tournament in the sport, but also one where fan behavior has become a story in itself. Johnson was heard telling spectators that he was sick of it and demanding they just shut up. <laughs> this is literally happening. <laughs> This is amazing. I, you know, I love it. It's getting the people watching golf. This is golf! <laughs> Horschel, in a separate incident, was seen remonstrating with a spectator for calling out while one of his playing partners, qualifier Niccolo Galetti, was about to hit a shot. Buddy, when he's over a shot, shut the hell up, man, <laughs> Horschel shouted. He's trying to hit a damn golf shot here. It's our fucking job. One topless man was arrested after jumping over the ropes and diving into a greenside bunker on the 16th hole, where he proceeded to perform snow angels in the sand. <laughs> but he was untroubled by stewards or security when it came time to reaching the bunker, doing a mistimed flip-forward roll-style entry and his celebration afterwards. Former BMW PGA Championship winner Byung Hun An took to social media to brand the event a shit show, which was totally out of control on every hole. The event at TPC Scottsdale had a reported crowd of well over 250,000 on Saturday, and it spiraled out of control. By mid-afternoon, fans were unable to gain entry despite having tickets, as organizers took precautions against overcrowding as heavy rainstorms affected play. The rain understandably made the course slippery, but a number of fans took it upon themselves to turn grass banks into mudslides, sliding on their fronts down the hills, and then even celebrating by pouring a beer over their heads. I'm all right. <laughs> to Don't the, nobody worry about me. <laughs> to cheers of their friends and onlookers. Others tumbled with slightly less precision down the banks. There was even one video that was widely shared on social media of fans tumbling on the ground and fighting in the dirt, with other fans l left to get involved and break it up. Yeah, and I heard someone threw a baby Ruth into a, into the swimming pool. Hey, they, and they thought a, it was a shit. That's a shit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I two hundred fifty. When they retrieved their clubs, they pressed a button and it shot out of yeah. their golf bag. How do you fit two hundred fifty thousand people on a golf course? Well, it's a big course. It seems like the capacity is your that's your problem because like. You get in there, it's so crowded, you can't even see the fucking golfing. You're like, well, what do we do now? They we party. get shit-faced. Yeah, well, so that's the problem, too, is, like, this has been years in the works because it, it starts out being, like, raucous and crazy, and then the actions get reaffirmed by, like, social media and and mm. just everyone, and they love selling tickets and everything. And they um, last year, in one of the reports I read, they were like celebrating the fact that they had sold more beer in one day than like any event in the state or something. It's like, well, you're kind of endorsing this, yeah. this activity. This is on you. And the results don't lie. It's the most attended golfing event in the country, you know how maybe you, in the world. You know how you stop this from happening hmm. is uh, over in Saudi Arabia, they don't allow any of this uh, drinking and uh, any of the, we should let the Saudis buy the PGA. What's that? Wait, hold, oh, they did? Hmm. Well, never mind then.
new rules coming to the Waste Management Open. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's it for today's episode. We have plenty more to get to on this week's episode of Tech Newsday and all the other shows that we do. In the meantime, make sure you like the video. Hit the like button. Gets us in the good graces of the algorithm. Makes us feel loved. Also, leave a comment. Reply to a comment. Click the join button if you want to become a member. And uh, be sure to watch our other episodes. We got new episodes of Weekly Weird News and News Dump right over here for you. Ready to go. Check those out. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.